Thank you uh, so much. I know that uh, it's it's kind of late, but um, it's interesting that we never tire of talking about God's word. And uh, Dr. Paul, thank you so much for always saying yes uh, to conversations like these. They always leave us extremely uh, refreshed. I got a comment from one of the listeners last week that mm-hmm. mentioned that, hey man, this gentleman has very, very interesting quotations. Uh, I think you left him thinking uh, when it came to uh, planning and the guilt that comes with planning. Mm-hmm. And so today we want to continue almost with a similar uh, conversation, but this time around work. And uh, with your permission, Dr. Paul, I'd like us at some point to talk about rest because it's difficult to talk about work without rest. And yeah. I know, I think the first time we hear uh, the word resting is, is from the example of God himself when he rested on the seventh day, having created the world in uh, six uh, days. And so at some point, I'd like us to talk about that. But Dr. Paul, the first question is going to be very simple. When it comes to work ethics, what, where, where does your heart run to in scripture when, when it comes to work ethic? Um, in in relation to a Bible uh, passage, Dr. Paul, and why? Sure. Um, You know, we have here in the United States a phrase that is referred to as the Protestant work ethic, and it arose out of the Reformation. It goes back to the 15th century, um, and the idea that work uh, was not a uh, was not a curse, uh, and a, a lot of people think that um, had Adam not sinned, we would never have had to work. But that's not true because even before he fell in the Garden of Eden, uh, God had created Adam to till the garden, which means to cultivate it and to work in it. Um, but it was minus. Uh, without all of the the effects of the curse, such as weeds and certain uh, pests and animals that would attack and, you know, all of the negative things that came about as a result of the fall. So others also think that when we get to heaven, we're, we're going to have a set of wings on our back and we're going to fly around and just do nothing. But uh, nothing could be farther from the truth because Work was not a curse that came about as a result of the fall. Work was something that God gave to us uh, as a privilege, as a responsibility, as uh, as a stewardship, uh, something that he entrusted to us. So when you say what verse comes to your mind, um, very quickly, uh, the first verse that comes to my mind is found in the New Testament with regard to work. And that is that um, in in a city um, in the Middle East, well, actually ancient Near East, uh, is a city called Thessalonica. And Paul wrote two letters to this church to talk a lot about the whole concept of work. Uh, The reason why he wrote this letter is because 
there were certain ones in the church there at Thessalonica who believed in the imminence of Christ's return, just as we do. Of course, Christ could return at any moment. They believed in that so strongly that they stopped working and uh, expected others to uh, do the same. But we all know that if we don't work, <laughs> we will not eat. And so Paul is very specific in his first command to this, uh, these believers. And um, he writes this, um, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now, such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and to eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing what is good. So the word good there is associated with work. So work is something that is good. It's not a curse. It is designed um, to bring glory and honor to God it, by using the gifts and abilities God has given to us, um, and we serve him in that way. Um, you mentioned work not being a curse. I must confess that I might have had that interpretation at first. Um, but where, what would you say the cast therefore is, uh, going back to Genesis, Dr. Paul? Because yeah. we must agree that there seems to be an ending loop of work and the dissatisfaction, even the harder we work. Um, it looks like it doesn't matter. People quickly want to quit um, from their jobs. I don't know. I, I, I think most of us have thought about quitting, not because we don't want uh, to work, but there seems to be uh, a dissatisfaction, even the harder uh, that we work. But what would you say is the curse um, in, that, in that example of, uh, of, of Adam and Eve, Dr. Paul, just for a clearer understanding of the scriptures? Sure. Sure. Well, you really see a very clear distinction there in the book of Genesis that before uh, the work, uh, before the fall, uh, there there was pleasure, there was uh, lack of pressure, there was, you know, nothing like weeds and hard soil that was, you know, very, very difficult to work with. Um, there was uh, none of that kind of thing, the bugs or the animals or other, other things, creatures that would uh, destroy what God had created. But after the fall, uh, we are very clearly told that work became hard, it became difficult um, because of the effect of sin upon all of, of, of nature and human nature as well. And so, yes, work uh, can be a curse if, um, if it is a work that is not bringing glory and honor to God. And yes, that we are always going to feel the effects of the curse in our work um, because of sin. Um, however, uh, this is the whole idea of work that brings about um, satisfaction, a sense of fulfillment, uh, a sense of glorifying and honoring God uh, above all, 
in the kind of work that we do. And um, we have a lot to do with how that comes about. It, it Ultimately, it's God's responsibility. But number one, David, we have to sense that what we are doing, whether it's full-time ministry where a person is working around the clock as a pastor or a teacher or a missionary or the like, and then there are those who are what we call um, uh, lay workers who also serve in the church. In other words, they have a nine to five job or an eight to eight to four job or whatever time it is. Um, and they do that work, but they also have the privilege of serving in the local church. Um, for those who are in full-time ministry, I believe first and foremost, you have to be convinced that what you are doing is is a work, a ministry that has been given to you by God. And if that is the case, then there is there is a deep satisfaction in what we are doing because we know we are fulfilling God's will in our life. But that's not only true of those who are in ministry full-time, David. It's also true of those who... God has directed to be uh, business managers, to be teachers in a school, to be um, uh, employees at a company, to be a pilot, a scientist, a medical doctor. They all know that what they are doing is what God has given them to do. So there can be satisfaction in that if they know they are following the will of God and fulfilling what he's asked them to do. So whether you are full-time uh, in ministry or you are a lay person who is doing ministry in a local church, I believe there can be a genuine sense of fulfillment that I'm doing what God wants me to do. And it isn't God's will for everyone to be in the ministry full-time. Believe me, I have seen, and I'm sure you have, those who are serving God out of a sense of guilt that this is the only way I can serve the Lord is to be in full-time ministry. They're not happy. The people they serve are not happy. Their families are not happy. They're, they're as a husband and wife, they're unhappy. There is no sense of fulfillment whatsoever. But on the flip side of that, those who are in ministry because that's where God directed them or those who are fulfilling what we call a secular job, uh, both can have this sense, deep sense of satisfaction that I'm doing what God has commanded me to do. So there is value, there is fulfillment, and uh, there's all these things. And we'll talk about the rest, uh, the rest part uh, later on. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Paul. I think it's interesting that sometimes we work to fulfill our desires, and and uh, and that can be that can be draining. But but when we when we seek His glory and honor, there is uh, fulfillment yes. in that. In in just the example you just mentioned, I have a thousand questions. I don't think you're going to be able to answer all of them. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Nine hundred ninety nine. We'll shoot for that. <laughs> it's uh, you you brought up a lot of interesting. Uh, points there, especially when you come to 
those who serve in ministry, the example you gave there of people that may think that only when they are serving full time are they serving God. Mm. Um, and I know, uh, I, let me just put the question down here. You may answer it later or maybe for another podcast. But the other question I've had so many people deal with or ask me, um, some are in ministry and they are asking, uh, when do you know when to quit ministry um, and, 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 and just do something else? And of course, we, we are talking to people who might be feeling bad that quitting is quitting full-time ministry that they're thinking this 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 may take me to hell (laughs) but also you don't want the 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 statement you mentioned there is they're not happy and those that they are serving are not happy and Mm -hmm. i think those are diminishing results really and uh the question is genuine. When do you know when to quit? And maybe, I don't know if you can throw some light on that question, then I'll get a chance to ask the other two questions. One is to do with excellence, and then we'll come to the one of resting and resting well. Dr. Mm-hmm. Paul. Yes. Well, I think, um, you know, I believe every believer, number one, ought to be spending time in the Word of God each day. And this is what I love so much about Word of Life is the constant emphasis uh, upon quiet time. And I know I, we, our boys grew up on Word of Life quiet time diaries, and sometimes it can become more drudgery and uh, more of my own effort uh, and all of that. But there, there's a fine line there, David, where, you know, Paul talks to Timothy and he says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So yes, there has to be discipline, but there is more to the Christian life than just simply discipline. There is relationship. And first of all, it's our relationship with the Lord. And then secondly, with those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. So how do I know if what I'm doing is not right and that I'm, I, I really should, God has something else for me? Um, I think it begins by reading the word of God not that you're going to find a verse of scripture that says, um, go out and quit your job or go and work at McDonald's or go uh, go and do this. You're not going to find specific commands in the, in the word of God to uh, do this or do that. Uh, first of all, he is going to, as we read his word, he's going to begin to direct our thoughts. And then secondly, just like we talked about in the last podcast uh, or previous podcast, as we discover the will of God, I believe the second thing is to talk to godly leaders in the local church, our pastor or other godly men or women who, um, who can give us biblical principles and guidance. And then thirdly, um, I believe that God uh, uses the gifts that he's given to us. So, you know, some of us uh, know what those spiritual gifts are, um, but sometimes the, t- the difference between a spiritual gift and a talent becomes confusing. Um, it's very clear in Scripture there are 19 gifts that are listed in four passages of Scripture. And we look at those 19 gifts. Some of them were gifts for the early church only, and we believe that uh, those gifts are no longer in existence today, but there are still uh, at least 14 others that are employable today, are usable today. 
So we look at the word of God, we talk to godly people, we look at the abilities, the gifts, and even the desires, as as David speaks of in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Those desires come from reading God's word. So um, we we look at those desires and we, we say, okay, does God want me to follow uh, this path in this way? The fourth thing he, he uses are circumstances in our life. He will open and he will close doors. So interestingly, David, um, a number of years ago, back in 93, we came off the mission field. We were serving as missionaries there uh, because of the illness of my wife. And uh, she was very, very sick. And so I was beginning to ask the Lord, God, are you using this as a means of redirecting me in another way to reach the Japanese people? That is by joining a Japanese company and working there and uh, then serving the Lord part time. Well, uh, I began to seek the Lord's face on that. I made, uh, I sent out resumes to Japanese companies. I sent out 300 resumes, David, and expecting all of my friends told me, You're, you know, you've, you've got this nailed down. The people are just going to be knocking the doors down, waiting to get to you because you speak Japanese and, and you know the Japanese culture. Well, oddly enough, out of those 300 resumes, I got maybe six or seven responses and just two interviews. I went for the two interviews and the answer was no, they didn't want me, even though I had all of these skills and talents and abilities. And later on, one of my dear, very dear Christian Japanese friends said, you know, Paul, I, I wanted to tell you, you're going the wrong way because if you join a Japanese company, you will become their slave and you will not have the time for ministry you thought you would have. So he said, I am so glad that you did not take that step. But I, I followed that, uh, gu those guidances that, you, that we talked about earlier. That is, first of all, read the word of God. Secondly, seek godly counsel. Thirdly, um, look at um, the gifts and abilities God has given to you. Fourth, look at the circumstances. And uh, fifth, um, the, look at the desires that he's given to you. So God closed that door, David, and opened another door. And that door is the one we are pursuing right now. And that is serving with NTCGS, training national pastors in the Middle East and also in East Africa. So uh, that's just an illustration from my own life of how I saw God redirect me into, and, and I, I really was willing to be a part-time Christian worker if that's what God wanted me to do. But God clearly did not want me to do that. He wanted me to serve full-time in ministry. That question is very important because once we understand what God wants us to do and we are sure, I think we will do what we do very well and excellently. And it's... I'm I'm really glad. This is on a side note that out of those 300 resumes that you sent out, I'm glad none of them said yes because <laughs> I do not know what would have happened. Of course, God does know, but I'm really, really just glad that God sent you our way and with all the training you've given us and mm -hmm. so many other students, not just in Uganda but in Egypt and the Middle East. Um, that's 
purely the hand of God. Today we can look back and mm. say that, but before I know when you made those trips, the interviews and you're being told no must have been extremely disappointing. Mm. Dr. Paul, I've had a, a small chance to work with you and I must confess that you do things extremely well um, or excellently. And that's one work ethic that I anyone who has has been close enough to watch can can be able to say but what inspires you to do that mm-hmm. um i know we work with teams we work with others who might accept substandard uh mm-hmm. kind of work and what pushes you to say you know what let me let me take one extra step um an extra mile what pushes you to do that dr paul that's a very good question david um god has in his sovereignty allowed us to be a part of ministries that on the one hand, there have been some that were excellent and well-led and well-run. And then on the other hand, we have been a part of ministries where there was no desire for excellence at all. It, it just was sloppy and careless and haphazard um, and, you know, we were always uncomfortable in those ministries uh, because we, we, as you look at the Old Testament, I think one of the first examples that I can remember reading a number of years ago about the construction of the tabernacle. And here is a beautiful illustration of a man who was not a priest, Um, He was not a leader in the children of Israel. He was a man by the name of Bezalel. And Bezalel um, was instructed to gather the materials and to lead in the construction of the tabernacle, the the temporary uh, place of worship for Israel before the temple was built. And that story just gripped my heart as a young college student as I looked at this lay person who used his gifts and ability to build the tabernacle. And again, this was only the temporary one. But even though it was temporary, it was done with such excellence and such precision that um, would bring glory and honor to God. And then we know if you want to study about the construction of the temple, talk about excellence. You know, none of us uh, realizes the glory and the splendor of that temple. It, It just, we know that the Queen of Sheba came and looked at what Solomon had built. Uh, And of course it started with David gathering the materials. it says, the Bible tells us it was like her heart melted within her because she had never, never seen any kind of a building like that with such excellence and such glory uh, that she just was overwhelmed. And she went back to her country with this same report. So here's a, a person, again, from the outside of Israel who's looking on the inside and goes to the temple and sees this gorgeous, gorgeous building um, and how it brought honor and glory to God. So I think from the scriptures, David, that 
was what inspired me more than anything uh, else, both in the construction of the tabernacle as well as the temple. You see the glory of God that fills this place because it was built with precision and with pride uh, in their workmanship and their craftsmanship. Um, That just really, really spoke to my heart. So that became one of our core values at NTCGS. You know, from the beginning of our modules, we talk about seven core values. Excellence was one of those. And uh, I go back to the verse that David, um, David writes of excellence in the Old Testament. He speaks about God and he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. And he's referring to majesty, he's referring to perfection, he's referring to glory, he's referring to all of these as he uses that word to describe the glory of God. And then you come to the New Testament and you look at First Peter and you find when Peter is talking about relationships between employers and employees and actually it was slaves and slave owners, okay, which is also, a, that's a topic for another day. Um, he talks about excellence there and about doing things well. Uh, Paul speaks of it in his epistles when he says, whatever you do, do your work heartily. And the word there in the Greek language is putting your heart and soul, everything you have into this, so again, not that you receive the glory, but that ultimately it's God whom we are reflecting. And we want our work in our ministries to show the glory of God and his excellence and his character. Uh, that is a tremendous value to us as God's children when it comes to uh, determining a work ethic. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Paul. I, it's interesting. How excellent is your name? And uh, even the way those men built the, the, the temple. And it also takes me back to when God gave instructions. Uh, and I know instructions is an understatement uh, because they're actually commands. And <laughs> when, when men divided from those commands, they lost their lives. Um, and, and, and so sometimes I think we take things lightly, um, of course, with compromise. But in, when God sends us, when he instructs, I think he expects that we do what we must do excellently and to the, to the dot. And thank you. Let's come to this question of rest, Dr. Paul. It's an important one, partly yeah. because... Um, I wanted to pick this from what I grew up knowing as work. When mm-hmm. someone came looking for my dad uh, at home, or a visitor has come knocking and my dad is not home, it doesn't matter where he is. We always replied, he has gone to work <laughs> as, as kids. Um, I don't know if this is similar in your, in your culture, but that's, that was our reply in our local language. He has gone to work. And when he came back home, he returned home. Um, to rest. And I remember, well, I keep telling people, I still remember the way my dad smelt when he came home. It was a mixture of sweat and yes. uh, and cement <laughs> because he used to do construction. Yes. When he came home, he came home to rest. And talking about that, in the last two years, there has been this concept of work from home, mm. work from home. 
And the way this has evolved is people at first were idle at home. They tried out all sorts of dishes from YouTube and how to make this, how to make that. Then they became fat. And then afterwards, we looked for work. We began to create work and opportunities to work at home. We were able to create an office near the dining table where we could watch the kids. Mm. But as the world has opened up, there has still been a sense in which bosses are still able to send you work, (laughs) even during home time. And Uh, there's almost no time to rest. What would your advice be now that we are living in the remnants of working from home and the discipline to rest, Dr. Paul? Mm. Well, uh, this is where um, I I, um, am deeply convicted (laughs) because... Uh, I have the tendency, as my wife will tell you readily, and as our children will tell you, to um, I, I enjoy my work. And um, because I enjoy it, I tend to overwork and not to rest, not to come apart and take time to read and to enjoy life and to have certain activities. Um First of all, we go back, and I think you mentioned this uh, at the outset of the podcast. If you go back to uh, the book of Genesis, the big book of beginnings, uh, even after the fall, it is very clear it, 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 before the fall that God himself rested on the seventh day after he had done all of the work of creation. And he set for us a pattern that should be uh, repeated in our lives. And I have actually read, David, um, a book by a medical doctor called None of These Diseases. And then there's another book that is written by another medical doctor where scientific study has been made on this whole concept of the Sabbath rest, uh, of giving our bodies uh, total rest. even rest from food, uh, where fasting is is a discipline that was taught from the Old Testament into the New, um, to give your body a chance to digest food that uh, remains in the system. Unless it's given a rest, it stays there and it can cause poisons to build up. It can cause diseases to come about because we haven't rested our body uh, from eating even. So, um, yes, because of COVID, uh, more people are working from home. And the temptation is, especially if you enjoy your work, but also because you might have a boss who is a taskmaster and won't give you a break. Or there's a sense of guilt in me that if I'm not working from sunup to sundown, then I'm, I'm a disobedient Christian. Uh, that's not true. We have to come apart or we will come apart, if you can understand the play on words there. Uh, Even Jesus taught his disciples in the New Testament. Uh, They worked hard and he brought them aside and took them up the mountain away from the press of the crowd and people and busyness. And he, um, he put them in a more relaxed atmosphere a chance to to rest and to hear the word of God taught. So I think this all boils down to a choice that we make, David, um, especially if we're working from home, 
that, all right, I'm going to work a certain amount of hours, but then I'm going to take off. Um, I'm going to enjoy uh, an activity that uh, will refresh and recharge my mind. Um, I will take some time off to go on a vacation, to change my environment um, as I'm able to do so, and not everyone can do that. But you don't have to go somewhere else to rest. You can learn how to discipline yourself so that you are resting at home, going to a nearby park or doing something along that line just for a change of scenery, a change of pace. Um, and then also, David, this has to do with giving your body adequate rest, um, sleeping a proper amount of hours um, so that your body is rested, your mind is rested and refreshed and recharged uh, so that you can face the next day. So rest is very much a part of God's order and God's command for all of us. If we overwork and we burn ourselves out, then um, our life is shortened and uh, we don't get as much use out of the body that God gave to us as we could. Um, so those are just some thoughts that I have about the topic of rest. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I, I like how you have put it there towards the end when you said we, you don't have to, you, you can discipline yourself to find time uh, to rest. It does mm. not have to be vacation. And I know the word vacation is, is kind of um, not as common back home uh, here in Africa. It's, it's, it's more a Western understanding um, of, of vacation. We, we don't seem to have huge breaks in our, in our work, like a winter break where people uh, stay away from work for months or, or summer break. It seems to be just a couple of weeks of school off and, and that's it. Yes. And that's it. And so you have time, you have to find time to rest within the week, within the week. It does not have to be a part of the year. And yes. I think rest that is spread out is easier mm. uh, to manage and discipline. Again, yeah. it does not take away from long-term uh, resting, like a Christmas yeah. holiday. That that would be one of those, what you would call vacation. Uh, but mm. where we go to the village is what we say. We're going to the village. <laughs> and But yes. we need to go to the village more often because it, it helps. I had not heard of that one, uh, Dr. Paul, what you mentioned concerning fasting. Yeah. Um, and, and giving our bodies rest from particular foods that accumulate in our bodies. I think that that's awesome. But mm. one of the things I've also noticed from your answer is there's an expectation to obey the commands in Scripture, mm. even as we talk through all of this. And I know if, if you find no other reasons, please remember that what we are talking about are principles to be obeyed, mm. not, not suggestions. Um, this is not self-help. These are these are commands from Scripture exactly. that uh, we are talking about. Excellence is a command. Uh, mm -hmm. Resting is a command. Work is a command. And so if you have no reason, think about God and honoring Him in living in obedience uh, to these principles. Dr. Paul, do you have any other principles you'd like to share with us uh, concerning work before we come to the end of our time together? You know, you said something extremely important a few moments ago, David, and that was 
that when your father came home, I, I love that illustration, you could smell that he had been at work and he was teaching you a value about work. This is what you are to do. Um, but I think uh, let's take that one step further that when we come home, um, we're so tired. And as a father, I can speak from, unfortunately, some negative impressions that I left in my children, um, that work had to continue when I came home and I didn't have time for the children. Uh, we made a point uh, in our work in our ministry on the field, and we it seemed to work better there than here, um, that Monday was our day off and our kids knew this. So, you know, Sunday, we're working like crazy Saturday to get the church ready, which met in our home for the first few years in both of our church plants. So it was fun. We, we made a, a task out of, okay, Sunday morning, our house turns into a church. And so we made it a game and our kids love to do that. And then Sunday, we worked like crazy all day long and then finish up meetings, uh, usually about four or five in the afternoon, and then we'd come home and collapse. We were so exhausted. Um, but Sunday night was our family time. We played games, we ate special food that my wife would prepare, and then Monday was our day off, and we always did something. We went to a park, we went to a zoo, we went to something else, um, and our kids got used to this routine so that they could see, yes, mom and dad do rest. Uh, they do take time off from work and to be with uh, the family. And sometimes we would invite others to join us. Of course, those who are, are normal workers in the workday world, you know, couldn't enjoy that time with us on Monday. So they could on Sunday evening and we would invite them to our house for activities and enjoyment. So they could see how a family should be able to not only work together, but to rest together and enjoy time together. So it's uh, so important. The father sets the pace in a home and um, you need to spend time with your children. Um, David, last night, uh, it was so touching with your your two daughters. They came and said, could could we spend some time with you? And it was like, Yes. <laughs> and so we we played games together and enjoyed that time. Uh, it, it was just, it was so fun to me because it brought back memories of how I used to play with my kids. Now, again, David, I was far from the perfect father and all you have to do is ask my kids about it. But last night was just very, very special for me to sit down and play games with your two girls and it brought back those memories of times when we did that as a family. So very important. Now, if you're single and you're not married, um, you still have a responsibility to give your body rest and do fun things uh, with your friends, with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, to give your body that rest and to set that discipline up. That's so very, very important as a part of your stewardship of what God has entrusted to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Paul. I really appreciate our time uh, together. Um, it's, I mean, today I was talking to another friend uh, who we met, and the only thing Faith could remember mm -hmm. uh, about this person was when they were pretend fighting. Mm 
Um, I don't know if you know what that means, but like she pretends she's punching his face and he would fall away and say, oh, <laughs> and, and, I, and I told him, it's interesting what children remember. And, 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 and he replied and said, yeah, you know, I was hoping they remember something like spiritual that I, sh- I, I shared, maybe a sermon or something very biblical, but <laughs> he's a pastor. <laughs> and, and he says, but all they're remembering is the pretend fighting. Um, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes as fathers, we want to leave an impact when we, when we rebuke our children and we mm-hmm. think that this is what is going to leave an impact. Of course it does. The Bible does command us to correct them. Uh, and teach them in the Lord. But it, I remember the way my dad smelt. And I remember many other things, definitely. But those were fun moments that yeah. only when you return home as a father will you be able to create those moments. You cannot create them with a laptop open before you or even a phone uh, creating those ding, ding moments and, and sounds. You can't. You cannot. Children see through them and they will know you're not paying attention. They will tune off. And when we are done, it's our children we're leaving behind, not, not right. the work that we weave and the goals that we've accomplished. May this be a reminder to each one of us mm. uh, to find that moment to rest. But don't rest when you have not worked. <laughs> work hard, work excellently, but yeah. get a chance to rest. Get a chance to rest. Dr. Paul, thank you so much for our time. Amen. I would like to let you go uh, at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening right now and you would like to join NTCGS, just go to ntcgs.org and right there you'll be able to find the application form, fill in that application form and we'll get back to you as soon as possible uh, with the chance to be a part of an interesting, awesome school at a very, very low cost. You will not believe how much it costs. But Dr. Paul, would you kindly lead us in prayer? Sure. Father, I thank you for, uh, first of all, the privilege of fellowship in Christ and for the wonderful and enjoyable time we had with David and Grace and the children uh, over these last couple of days. It went too quickly, but we thank you for the moments we were able to enjoy together. And I thank you for their ministry. I thank you for the way you called and directed them and the way you are opening doors for them to eventually serve in the country of Rwanda. Thank you that you will, um, as you promise in your word, faithful is he who calls us who will also bring it to pass. And we thank you that in in the very near future, they will be able to serve you full time in that country. And we thank you for your word and for the wisdom of it, Lord, uh, just to look at any word in the scripture and understand the background of it and what you meant by it and how you designed for us to live by certain principles that would above all bring glory and honor to yourself and we will be careful to give you the praise and glory and honor for what you do through your word and through your holy spirit in whose name we pray amen Sundays at 9 p.m. East Africa time.